Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. So I came across uh, an op-ed in the National Post by Adam Legg, president of the Business Council of Alberta. And uh, the headline of the op-ed is Proposed Net Zero Grid Rules Unfit for Realities of Canadian Geography. And I found that very interesting because we do have a country with a diverse geography, and the geography has a tremendous impact on our weather and what we do. And, you know, in Calgary this morning, it was minus eight. Jeez, Adam Lag, why do you put up with that? Adam, Thanks, why, why, do, why do you put up with it? It's only October. <laughs> it's only October. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Roy. It's a pleasure to be on your show. So let me just begin by asking you to assess the current business and economic climate in the province of Alberta. How would you assess it? Well, I think you know, we, we spent a, a year looking at the opportunities for this province in a project called Define the Decade. And Roy, I'll tell you, there is no better place in the world to be than Canada and particularly Alberta, given what the world needs. It needs energy. It needs food. It needs wellness. It needs innovation. Uh, and Alberta is doing really well in that regard. We uh, are a proud resource province. We're a proud innovation province. Uh, we have grown tremendously. We've uh, set records now for uh, in-migration uh, to Alberta over the past year. Uh, and uh, there's a sense of, of optimism overall. Albertans are can do get it done people. We don't let challenges stand up along. We, we find ways to roll up our sleeves and get things done. So, I mean, there's, there's no doubt headwinds of things like increasing uh, interest rates and more challenges on the housing front, um, which I think with you know, letting the private sector do what it does well, will solve many of those things. But uh, overall, I think there's definitely a, a sense of optimism and opportunity here in Alberta. When you talk about that in-migration to Alberta, a lot of it has come from other provinces, and particularly from central and eastern Canada, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Much of it has come from uh, from Ontario um, and, again, also from the, the Maritimes. Um, many people across the country may have seen the Alberta is Calling campaign that uh, talks about the opportunities, the lower cost of living, the lower cost of housing here in Alberta. and. Quite frankly, I think uh, that campaign has, has borne fruit for our population here. Yeah. So the op-ed, your op-ed, speaks to the influence of geography on power systems, makes makes the whole situation uneven. Just explain that to us, please. I come at it from the, the notion, Roy, that uh, we all are subject to what I call the fate of geography, and that determines everything. As you said off uh, earlier at the top there about the weather that we I'm looking out my window and seeing snow on the ground, as you said, minus eight this morning. Um, it determines our activities. It determines our amount of sunlight. It determines the, the uh, pastimes that we may have, but it particularly impacts the ability and choices that many of the provinces have with respect to how they generate their power. Um, places like BC, Manitoba, Quebec were blessed with the ability to generate non-emitting hydroelectric power. Other provinces like Alberta and Saskatchewan were not. Uh, we're largely flat prairie and uh, didn't have that endowment, but we did have endowments of natural gas and, and oil reserves. And, and we also have a tremendous amount of sunlight, which enables us to get uh, solar power opportunities. But um, 
ultimately this country and, and that even talk about the north too i mean there are so many even fewer opportunities for for power and so as everybody was beginning to talk about the nuances and the specifics of the clean electricity regulations it really struck me that there's a, a more broad more overarching piece that isn't being talked about which is this country is so big and so vast that a, a one size fits all uh, everybody hit the same target, no matter how far you are from non-emitting energy at the same time, doesn't work. It's This country is just too big, too vast, too, too diverse, and, the, and we need to think more regionally. Yeah, people just need to drive across Canada and see how long it takes them. It's a, it's a magnificent trip. Everybody should do it. But it's, it gives you an idea of just the vast expanses of Canada. And if you take the road system, you'll only see the southern part, really, the southern part of the country. There's mm-hmm. just a tremendous amount to the north. So now, uh, and I've talked to Premier Smith about this. I've talked to Premier Mo about it on numerous occasions. Ottawa's clean electricity regulations, stewarded by Mr. Gilbo. Uh, he doesn't want any. Uh, he doesn't want any fossil fuels involved in the creation of electricity by 2035, or very few, and, and very few exceptions. Now the Supreme Court has uh, tapped his, wrapped his knuckles a little bit, although the the feds say, well, well it just requires a little bit of uh, a little bit of tweaking. Well, that's not the case. That's not what the Supreme Court said. They didn't say go and tweak it. They said change it. But mm-hmm. so so if Ottawa's clean electricity regulations affect Alberta, how would they affect the province? And how in turn, let's expand this, would that affect the rest of the country? Should the rest of Canada care? Maybe I'll start with your second question first and then work back to sure. Alberta. Yeah. I think the, the entire country should care. Um, the The notion that we need to get to the, the beginnings of net zero by 2035 um, from a non-emitting uh, electricity is important for every part of the, the country. Now, as I said a few minutes ago, different provinces are different distances to the goal line. So Quebec is 99% not emitting, uh, and so is Manitoba. British Columbia is very close. Um, New Brunswick is at 72%. Nova Scotia, 27 Alberta and Saskatchewan are in that sort of 15% range. Um, every one of those solution sets, whether you're at 99%, 97 or 15 uh, are incredibly expensive because while we have the ability to generate lots of solar power here in Alberta, that's not necessarily uh, as viable an option in other parts of the country. And so the costs of putting in place uh, the technologies and the investments needed to um, to get to non-emitting power are incredibly expensive. And uh, add to that the push for electrification in our economies, whether that's electric vehicles, heat pumps, etc. And you're looking at, at growth and demand on the grid of somewhere between two and three times. Um, so we're not just talking about let's get another 1% of the current demand uh, non-emitting. Let's, we need to double the capacity and generation and transmission of that power uh, over the next uh, 15 to 25 years. Um, and that is a tremendous capital cost. So I, 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 I think... Um, unfortunately, the, the, the data and the modeling used in some of the electricity regulations is not all that uh, realistic. And so there's been a bit of a false sense of, don't worry, Canadians, this won't cost you all that much. But uh, I think whether you're in, from coast to coast to coast in this country, uh, it's going to impact power bills. Now, it's going to impact power bills 
significantly in the provinces of Alberta and Saskatchewan, largely because we are so far from the goal line of net zero. Um, but that doesn't mean we aren't working towards it. We've installed more uh, renewable generation capacity in Alberta than anywhere in the country. Um, but uh, studies by our electric system operator have shown that if we were forced to adhere to those targets, we'd be relying on some very variable technologies like wind and solar with really not sufficient battery capacity technologies ready to pick up the base load. Um, the stringency of the electricity regulations in terms of what can be done on, a, on an emergency or a peak basis are highly in, insufficient for the demands needed in Alberta. Uh, where we do get very cold and very uh, limited sunlight during the winters. Um, and that would lead to grid instability, power instability for many Albertans, and uh, lead to significant increases in the cost because of companies needing to take on the investment uh, to uh, to build, whether it's carbon capture or whether it's renewable, whether it's the uh, grid uh, interties, inter new generation capacity, and that gets passed. We're a different market in Alberta. Most other provinces are uh, are crown corporations, and the cost to consumers can get sort of blended into the overall crown corporation or provincial budgets. In Alberta, it's different; it's completely private sector. Um, and so, uh, what uh, what is passed on to the consumer is the, the cost of energy, and does not get uh, blended into or absorbed in in provincial coffers. So. Um, our ultimate worry is that sticking to the stringency to these targets, to these deadlines, would result in uh, an unfair burden of high, high energy costs in Alberta and Saskatchewan and, and also, frankly, Nova Scotia, um, and the risk of, of instability. Yeah, and it will, uh, it will affect the rest of the country. When you say instability, I don't know if you're referencing national unity, but that's certainly something that we've talked about with the, with the premiers, with Premier Smith and Premier Moe about national unity becoming a problem, mm -hmm. a bigger, a larger problem than it is now, and it is a problem. People try to gloss it over, you know, put a new coat of paint on it and just forget about it. You can't because it's a very real discussion that's taking place. And if we look into people's wallets, you know, we just heard from MNP LLP uh, a week ago, their national survey, their quarterly survey on how well Canadians are faring. And we're not faring very well, 52% of us, are uh, within $200 and not being able to pay our bills at the end of the month. 22% are basically broke. So if um, I'll get to a point here in, in 10 seconds. If the draft regulations from Ottawa continue to be applied to Alberta and Saskatchewan particularly, international investors will not look favorably on this country because what do we have that we can export that everybody wants? They want natural gas. They want uh, they want our oil. And the prime minister has said there's no business case to be made. I, I didn't see his PhD or his MBA, um, but he sent the chancellor of Germany home with a pat on the back. He sent the prime minister to Japan, Japan home with a pat mm -hmm. on the back, mm -hmm. and provided nothing. So we will lose investment in Canada, which will affect each and every one of us if these regulations from Ottawa become fact. Sorry about the long-winded getting to the point here. Would you agree? Well, I, yeah, I, I agree, Roy. It, uh, we, we, we have a, a, a growing reputation. I, I'm, I'm very worried about the reputation of Canada globally. 
we've had two allies come to our, our shores asking for our energy, and we've, as you said, generally sort of sent them home empty-handed. Um, we make it difficult to build major projects in this country, uh, which is much of the focus around this Supreme Court challenge to Bill C-69, which you were referencing earlier. Um, we've now had major shutdowns uh, at our uh, Port of Vancouver, our uh, St. Lawrence Seaway ports. Uh, we've had rail strikes. Um, we, our, our reputation globally is a place that can get the things that the world wants to market and, and, and be proud providers of those is, 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 is tarnished. Our ability to actually move the products off our shores is tarnished. Um, and uh, these regulations would then uh, more domestically, I think, create a sense of unevenness around the country in terms of who's bearing the cost of these regulations, which are, in, in, our, in my view, largely the result of the fate of geography. Um, mm-hmm. I think we'd be having uh, very different conversations uh, if, if the resource endowments were distributed differently across the country. And um, we, we cannot, at this time of the Federation, be looking to try and create further animosity between different provinces and the federal government that drive greater divisions. And so that's why I'm advocating for, and organizations advocating for, regional realities and reflections and adaptations in the clean electricity regulations. It says if, as long as we all get to net zero by 2050, that's what we should call success and make accommodations for those provinces that have further to go. Um, because the, the, the federal government will provide funding for some of the emissions reduction investments, but they are not sufficient to do enough to get the investments made by the private sector. Can I just ask you to uh, speak to the issue that some people just turn their noses up at and, and just scoff at it, the issue of national unity mm-hmm. in Canada. How much, of a, how much of a concern is that in, in Alberta, in the business community, how much of a concern is that? I'll ask the Premier of Saskatchewan as well, but what's your assessment of that, given given what we're facing now, and how much of an issue will it become if this particular initiative by Mr. Gilbo is rammed through? If they, you know, if they tweak it and go for it again, how much of an issue will that become? I, I think it'll be further fuel on, on the fire, for sure. I, I We are a country that uh, is so so large, so vast. Uh, there is a definite sentiment of Western alienation. That's uh, something that's been alive and, 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 and true for many years. We saw the rise of the Reform Party of Preston Manning rooted in that, right. that sentiment of the West feels left out yep. and the West wants in. Um, and we still have... Um, Unfortunately, policy decisions that are largely being made uh, in a combination of what is sort of in the better interests of central Canada and also with data that is really supported by the the realities of central Canada as opposed to the realities of, of Western Canada. And, and, I, and I worry that Albertans already do feel, and I appreciate very sincerely your recognition of the role of Alberta and the Federation uh, in the early parts of your remarks. Sincerely, that is something that many Albertans um, uh, appreciate and feel that we do uh, provide outsized contributions to the Federation. Um, And we just want recognition of that and some accommodations from time to time that just say, look, the endowments that you have are what drive the ability for you to provide outsourced contributions to the Federation 
and we'll acknowledge that we'll appreciate that and we'll 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 adapt we'll make federal policy accommodative to enable you to continue to have prosperity to continue to be able to develop your resources to continue to be able to attract people develop the innovations and technologies that are needed for the future so i worry that if we just plow ahead with a one size fits all we will continue to drive further wedges between the west and, and central canada for sure if you want to hear more Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.